Hey folks, this is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by Kermit Davis Jr., uh, Ole Miss basketball coach, and Kermit Davis Sr. We got both of the Kermits right now. We're going to do some long-form podcasting from time to time, and I thought this would be a a great interview to kind of get this started, and I really appreciate both of you guys coming on. I just feel like there's so much history, so much basketball here, and thank you both for being a part. Um, Kermit, big Kerm, excuse me, little Kerm, let's start with you. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I, I do really love the big Kerm, little Kerm thing. As I mentioned, all fair, that's, that's very, very Southern. Uh, Kermit, you were hired at Ole Miss in 2018. So many years had passed since your start will time, but obviously that was a, a big time in your life, uh, growing up there, playing at Mississippi state, uh, watching your dad's teams when he coached there. Uh, what were the emotions like for you when you realized that your first SEC head coaching opportunity would come at Ole Miss? You know, I was the most excited guy in Mississippi, Parrish. I mean, uh, uh, I've always wanted to come back to my home state. I had an unbelievable job at, at Middle. and uh, But when I went and visited with Ross and Keith, God, it just it felt so good and it felt so natural and a great fit. And when they – called me and said, you're going to be our guy and the coach. And uh, I'd never felt so good coming back to my home state and uh, obviously uh, being able to, to coach in front of mom and dad who 45 minutes away, my sister, my daughter live in Tupelo. And then I was my brothers in Olive Branch. So, yeah, it was. I had no – I just was glad to be back in Mississippi. I've always had so much great respect for – for Ole Miss, a lot of great pals. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was really exciting for me. Well, if you're making that drive in 45 minutes, you get, you better be careful. That's uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, that, I do it. That, that sounds really kind of quick to me, Kermit. I've made that drive a lot myself. Uh, uh, Big Kermit, let's talk about you a little bit. I mean, obviously, um, you coached at Starkville and at Mississippi State uh, so many years there with, with that school. And obviously, a, a big part of your life played there. Uh, as well, you know, you, you got a son coaching at Ole Miss. How do you separate those emotions? Well, it's not hard to separate at all. I, I was uh, no doubt about it. I of Mississippi State as a player. Brother beat Ole Miss as anybody we ever played. When I coached there, I felt the same way. But at the end, always, we fought hard and you're supposed to do it. That's your rivalry. But some of the best friends I ever had was Ole Miss before and after. And for Kermit to be at Ole Miss and to be like 45 minutes away versus four hours to Middle Tennessee, it's, it's, it's really a great deal. But as far as the university is concerned and Mississippi State, and I've got a great love of Ole Miss and, and always have, and, and I still got great love for Mississippi State. So I don't have a problem at all. My problem is going to the game and having really a heck of a feeling when we win it. That's a big thing. I asked him, Parrish, I asked Dad, I said, Dad, what are you going to do? He said, well, I mean, didn't think about it twice. He goes, well, I'll tell you what I think I'm going to do. He said, I think north of Pontotoc, I'm going to wear the red and blue. And I think south of Pontotoc, I can wear the maroon and white. I said, we can sure start there. I said, that was like a good plan. 
<laughs> well, I, I think most people understand that uh, when opportunity comes, uh, you, you, you don't always control that, you know, and, and uh, you know, you, you have a, a career path, you have goals and, you know, you just, uh, you put yourself in position and, and, uh, you know, and see what happens then. I'll tell you this, uh, both of y'all, um, as a sports writer, of course, I, I grew up uh, outside of, uh, of uh, Baton Rouge at Denham Springs. And, you know, I was a, an LSU fan at the time because it's kind of like state law over there. And, uh, you know, but people look at me now and they hear that they, even all these years, they, you know, they, they want to associate that with, with my writing. And, uh, you know, you guys know this. That was many years ago, and there are so many life experiences between then and now that, that just really shape things. And, and I just, for, for me, in, in terms of writing, um, it just kind of takes away your fandom, you know? And, and um, you know, so that's, I don't know, I, it's not surprising to me to hear that you guys would deal with emotions uh, in that way. But Big Kerm, tell me, uh, your son's about to become an SEC head coach, you kind of you know, some of this that's going on, you're kind of following this. What was your house like during that time? Well, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. And I knew that he was getting in the league that was tough. And, uh, you know, him going to Ole Miss was different, but it don't make any difference. You've got children. I've got children. Well, if Kermit had gone to Russia, <laughs> then I'd hope that he would Mississippi State and Ole Miss both. It's just that's the way it is. That's the way your children and you are. And and I was, I really have, I've, I've had a lot of good friends, I told you, that coached at Ole Miss and went to Ole Miss the whole deal. So I'm just proud he's here and I'm proud he's coaching in the SEC and, and certainly proud to get him back in Mississippi. Uh, little Kerm, what were the perks? growing up the son of an SEC basketball coach. Uh, what, what did you get to experience that made the, made your classmates say, wow? I could do this for an hour, Paris. This would be the whole podcast. I mean, uh, number one, you know, I remember, remember the Tupelo High School days, and I was like four and five years old, and I remember going to those gyms. That was really my first memories that I can, you know, can kind of think about. Uh, but, you know, just when he became even the assistant coach, and back then – Paris, you know, one thing I remember is non-basketball. That was back in the day where he was also the ticket manager. And so one perk, he'd always pick Bill and I up from school on Friday. We got to get out of school, and we would travel to the opposing team's SEC because he had to handle the tickets on away games. So whether we went to Alabama or wherever he did, so and that was non-basketball. But every day the biggest perk to me was mom would pick us up from school and take us to practice. And so I was there every day. And Bill and I would fight on the sidelines. They'd had to stop practice, and, and I know it wore them out. And then, really, we kind of stayed until Dad came home. I mean, we did. And then I go on and on about the people I met, whether it was Adolph Rupp when he brought his team into uh, to Mississippi State, and I'd sit there, and Dad would sit there with, with Coach Rupp and visit with him or Joe B. Hall or Dale Brown or C.M. Newton. You go on and on and on about everybody. And so – I was just privy so much, and it's why, uh, Parrish, that I've got some really great opportunities at a real, real young age is because of those experiences that, you know, that I was subject to being the, uh, the son of a head SEC coach. 
What uh, what SEC venue at that age for you was was the most exciting? What road trip? What game? I'm surely there was a a, a big Mississippi State win in one of those venues. Many of those games uh, stand out to you now. You know, I remember, uh, Dad. You can tell the story about senior night at Memorial Coliseum. You can tell them that one, right? Tell them that one when when they you said that remember it was the last game to ever be played at Memorial Coliseum. You were coaching. State at Kentucky. At Kentucky. Oh, you know, that's crazy. We, <laughs> I guess back then, we we played them one of the first games when they moved into the new place, and that was a that was a tough tough game. But you go in there to play them, and, and uh, I know we we were playing. They got down to that. We finally got beat. Two points, and we, uh, we, we we got cheated that night. They were not going to get them. They were not going to lose the last game at Memorial. Boy, I, promise you, I promise you that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was it was unreal. You know, I'll tell the story every once in a while of Coach Rupp. He was he was a heck of a guy, you know. And, and uh, he, but when he got out of coaching, they had the Final Four up in St. Louis. And uh, I went up there to, to, the, to the final four and uh, I got up there and, and, uh, and when I walked in to, to, to check in the hotel, Coach Rupp was there and he looked at me and he said, Kermit, where are you going? I said, well, I've got to go upstairs, Coach. Get my stuff hung up and I'll be back. Well, I'll be waiting on you. So I go upstairs and come back. And uh, he said, where do where you want to go? I said, well, they got uh, got a place down there, a little place where we can go down and get us a drink. Well, they don't have nothing but coke and down there. He said, I said well, we, I guess go upstairs. And we went up there and they had some drinks and he had a, had a little drink and I did. And we go back downstairs and say, this is what, makes me really remember him. He asked me, he says, uh, Kermit, I'm not going, you know, to, to the game. I'm, 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 I'm going to sit right there on the sideline, but you can have my tickets if you like. Mine's probably a little better than yours. I said, okay. So we go down there, we get go to the lobby. And uh, he, had, uh, he had a drink in his hand. And we were going to go get his ticket. He says, Kermit, would you mind taking my drink? And he handed it to me. Well, yeah, I've got my little drink in my hand. And got one, got his. He says, you know, he said, I know you've got two, but you're not as quiet as well-known as me. <laughs> <laughs> he, was just, he was just a great guy. Yeah. And he, he really was. You know, Parrish, you, you, you said we went to Memorial, and I was there as the last game, and, uh, you know, they lined up. Dad was talking about they lined all Americans up from Lexington to Paducah, you know, and had the last game there. And uh, State got beat at the very end, and they played old Kentucky home. And so that was, that was a, an unbelievable venue. I remember coming to – gosh, I remember coming to Tad Smith. Cobb Jarvis was the coach. And, you know, I remember watching Johnny Newman play and – God, that oh, yeah. those games were always so loud. At Tad Smith, 
when, when State played Ole Miss, that was the loudest crowd probably in the SEC, you know, and it was just a – it was a great venue. and everybody kind of makes fun of Tad Smith, but that was a that was a hard place to win at. Well, I know that Tad Smith uh, got a bad rap at the end of its life, and and, uh, and honestly, it, it, it stayed the gym there for the games probably uh, for too long. But to me, that was always an example. And, and the teams that I saw win there really – were Rob Evans' teams and Rod Barnes' teams in that era. And, and when they were winning there, look, when you're winning and people come out, the gym doesn't matter anymore. All of a sudden, a bad gym has character when it has good teams. Yep. And uh, so that's you know, that's what I think about uh, Tad Smith. Now, I was glad to get in the pavilion, you know, because I'll, you know, all those years covering those games in Tad Smith, Kermit, and there was only a one, one restroom there on the floor for many, many years. And uh, so I four minutes left in the first half, I'd get up and go get in line, you know, because, you know, after the game, things going to move fast and I've got to write and I got deadlines. So a lot of old stories about uh, Tad Smith there. You said y'all got cheated at Kentucky, uh, little Kerm. Tell me what was what was the play? Was it a charging call or or what? what I, I know you remember this. Uh, what? How'd no, you get cheated? No, I tell you, I, I can't. I mean, I usually do remember everything. We were up late. I can't remember, Dad, if it was, went into overtime. Uh, I remember you're starting three freshmen, and uh, I just remember that they weren't going to let you weren't going to let you lose. It's probably fitting they weren't going to lose the last game in Memorial uh, Gym. I think Joe B was coaching uh, at that particular time, you know, before they moved to Rupp. But I mean, it was it was a, it was a tough loss, but it was a uh, it was a lot of fun to be there to see everybody uh, that was part of that. Well, I know a lot of people listening to this will will draw some parallels to the state of SEC officiating then and now. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of comments on that. The SEC officials are really good now, Parrish. <laughs> I don't know that you ever find people to uh, to agree uh, agree with that, but I'll tell you, I think they I do think they get a bad rap uh, a lot of the time. Um, you know, let, let me say something about that, Parrish. Uh, with the officials. Kermit and Bill, the boys, couldn't believe it. We'd play it at uh, Mississippi State, and we'd play, I don't care who we played and how it would come out. We'd go home, and we'd go home and be there 10 minutes till we'd have the officials come by the house. <laughs> and I mean, they just, they couldn't believe that. We would visit, do everything, and, and you know, that's just the way it was then, and they did a good job, but it was, it was, it was something, really. Even after a loss. Oh, yeah. It the door. Oh, yeah, they, like, it was, it was unreal. Yeah, that's the guy that just made the call that, that you know, got beat. So, yeah, yeah times, have, times have changed a lot, Parrish, that's for sure. Times have changed, yeah. They they have changed a lot, but uh, it's, it's good to hear. You know, I, I think uh, – Times have changed, but I think we could go back to some of those ways of getting along, and that would be okay. You know, right. that'd be all right. Um, hey, uh, little Kerm, what was it like uh, in the house uh, in the evenings after practice when Dad came home for dinner? Was it was it all basketball, or did y'all talk about other things? Yeah, you know, Dad was always, and back then the coaches stayed gone so much. We travel a lot now, Parish, but there was no rules about how long you how many days you could be on the road you could go for two straight months if you wanted to so dad was was gone a lot 
uh, and mom was unbelievable, Bill and I, you know, around. But, you know, we came back. I mean, gosh, whether we were shooting in the backyard or doing different things. I mean, during the season, obviously, they had those old, I think it was 35-millimeter uh, projectors that, you know, you'd cut up with, with scotch tape and, Dad would take one of the pictures off the living room wall in this little house we lived in, and should we be watching tape? We'd sit there and watch some with him, and uh, but it was pretty normal. It, it really was. It was. It was probably a lot more normal than it is today because I think you're just more stuff that's going on, more things that you're you're worried about, you know. And uh, uh, but it was. It was. It was pretty normal, and and we just had a really really close family. Well, I I know you guys are on the road a lot. I, I see it. Uh, little Kerm, excuse me, Big Kerm, uh, I think it's pretty clear how basketball became a part of, of Kermit's life, growing up the son of a coach. How did basketball become a part of your life? Well, it was, it was unreal. I was lived and grew up in the Middleton, Mississippi. Me and Bailey Howell started school together, and I moved away and moved to Memphis, moved from Memphis to Walnut. Well, when I moved out to Walnut in Memphis, I was played baseball. Then I played a little football at Germantown. But then it was in playing on the basketball and baseball. Well, it was basketball was was a, the thing that kept us going in Walnut. We had a we, we had a good team, played good baseball. So back then, that was it. Just a little country town. Uh, Somebody told me the other day, Rip, I'm at Walnut now, got about 300 in school, maybe, I don't know, but it's just unreal, you know, what that meant to me. And, and we had 25 in the senior class. And, you know, back then, you know, a little small high school, back then they didn't, didn't play anything else. They beat a lot of the, the big teams. Mm -hmm. They really did. So, but it was it, it was it was great back then going to school. It really was. Now, what year did you arrive in Tupelo as head coach? And the head coach in 1962. 62, and I know you won a couple of state championships, grand slams. You know, we we don't have the grand slams anymore, and, and that just uh has has always intrigued me. I got to Mississippi in 89 and I would I would hear about the grand slams from years ago and, you know, small schools competing against big schools. And that oh, just yeah. sounded, sounded really interesting. Uh, what, uh, what do you think uh, helped you have that kind of success at Tupelo high school? You know, it, it, it goes back to the young men that was you were faced with and Tupelo high school was a great school. Uh, and I got here and, and, uh, Lee Pasley was a football coach. I was assistant football coach. And I did both, you know, coach football or just a little bit. I didn't know much about it. But it was just a deal that they got wrapped up in it. Tupelo did. And we had some good players. And then we played, we played a lot of good teams. We, we, we'd go out, we played Memphis, played in Memphis, uh, played uh, a lot of the smaller schools. And then we had the Big Eight uh, deal. Is was down in the uh, all down in the, who all the, the the Big Eight was uh, 
most of the, the people that like uh, down in the, on the, in the Delta and a lot of those, but we played a lot of all the teams that we could play. And uh, it was just good. They fell in. And people was great. It was, it, it was a good, good, good place to be. Really was. Now, you went from Tupelo High School to Mississippi State, and was that uh, was that like seventy one? What did, what was your first season at State? No, I, I was here four years, so I went back to State, I guess, in sixty six. Okay, in sixty coach. Okay, as yeah. assistant coach. Yeah. Um. So, how many years uh, were you on staff uh, at Mississippi State before you became head coach? Uh, I was. Four years, I guess. Four years, and then I was there coaching for eleven years. On you know, after that, uh, yeah, that was that was. I tell you what, that, that was. It is it, it, a good deal, a good situation. Uh, now, was the coaching profession uh, a place that you encouraged uh, Kermit? Uh, did you want him to come a coach? What What were those conversations all, like? Well, that's good. Yeah, he and Bill both. I wanted him to get to go to him. I thought they ought to go and, and get to a degree in business, business school. And then we'll forget talking to Kermit when it's over with. And we got through and he had got his his bachelor's degree. He said, Dad, said, what am I going to do? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know what I want to do. I want to coach. And I said, well, you do, we, we, we work it out. And I went to the, old, the dean, one of the deans had, said, what, 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 what can Kermit do? He wants to coach and I've talked to him and he couldn't even, he couldn't even find a high school job because he didn't have the, the, the background and what he had studied to teach, you know. Yeah. When he ends up, he got him in school and he gets his first job when he got a job down at Southwest Junior College when he was like his head coach. Coming with a 23 or 24. Just turned yeah, 24. 24. 24. And one down there, and well, that, that was a that was a big thing. And I knew without a doubt that's what he wanted to do. He, he stayed there and he just he had never done anything since then. But that, but I was real, real proud. He, he did what he did. Little Kerm, uh, did you feel like you were spinning your wheels in those business classes? Uh, or, or did you think, uh, did, did you have a real business plan that you might go work somewhere in that, in that realm? You know, no, I, I knew I wanted to coach uh, when Jodine Sr., you know, who, you know, God rest his soul was like, you know, was one of our great, great friends. And he was working at Converse. He, he offered me a job to go to Converse. And uh, I interviewed in Dallas. And I was going to take this Western region. And he kept you in basketball. It just didn't feel right. I love Mr. Deem. I said, Dad, I got a coach. And, and no, but I love the business uh, opportunity. Then I, Coach Boyd uh, kept me on as a graduate assistant. So then I got a Master's of Arts in Teaching. And really, Paris, I went down and I interviewed – at Southwest, and one of the main reasons that they gave me the job, I could teach junior college business classes. And so I drove the dean 
crazy because I don't think I was a really good teacher. My mind was always on basketball. So I let my class out a little bit earlier and all the things. You finally got me right to where I, I became a lot better teacher. But I, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, got taught business there for, for the two years that I was at, at Southwest. I remember Joe Dean Sr., of course, by the time I was coming up uh, high school and and uh, early college, he was uh, the AD at LSU um, by that time. And I remember uh, covering him at a Kiwanis meeting in, in Denham Springs and listening to him speak there. So uh, that was uh, that that was a lot of fun. Um, Big Kerm, tell me, let's go back to uh, – your time around Mississippi State uh, as a player, I know that um, Mississippi State gets a lot of uh, attention and, and there's a lot of coverage for this team. And uh, gosh, I forget exactly the year, maybe 66, that snuck out to go play Loyola in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was 60, it was 62 or 63. 62 or three. So earlier than that. Um, but you were on a team that, uh, was ranked what, uh, I think little Kern was telling me number one and number two, and, and didn't have the chance to go to the NCAA tournament for that reason, for, for, for the team not being able to play against black athletes. Tell me a little bit about, uh, about that time, please. And just what you remember about that team and, and what you guys were thinking as players. Well, no doubt about it. You know, we're thinking of players we wanted to play. We looked forward to it and just kept sorry, thinking we were going to get to, to play. And uh, that particular year, and uh, when we won the, the championship, I think we were, that's when we were like 24 and one. And uh, Adam and I, we had a, we had a good opportunity to, to really have a chance to win. The, the championship, and you know, we had we had a player like Bailey Howell, and the players we had on that team, we had an opportunity to win it, and we didn't get to. But it 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 it, it bothered us. Yet that's just the way it was. We didn't we didn't fight it that much, but we thought sure that we thought we, we might get to go and play. But right at the end, we didn't do it. You know, Parrish, I. This is what I've always I, I draw on, you know, that it's amazing the full circle that happens, you know, in, in our state. And, you know, where dad was a player in 59 and uh, they couldn't go because of, you know, playing against black athletes. That's well documented. And then, you know, he becomes the head coach at state and he was really responsible for the first black athlete to ever come to state. A guy named Frank Dowsing, who was from Tupelo High School that played football. He got him to come to Mississippi State over Alabama. And obviously, dad uh, signed the first, you know, black uh, basketball player, started five black athletes, you know, at Mississippi State. Uh, then I become the head coach at Ole Miss and uh, had a small part of the flag being changed. You know, so you think about the history that has gone on in our family, you know, for many, many years and the deep love that we have for our state. And like a lot of people, the, the, the changes that we have seen and just watch our state evolve, you know, into, into the state it's becoming. And, and so we're so proud of that, but that really is, it's, it's a lot of history just 
with us growing up and kind of seeing that, you know, as a young guy and listen to dad, tell the, tell the stories. Well, you guys, uh, as well as anyone understand the history of race in Mississippi and, and it's not all bad. Uh, it, it's good to hear the stories, uh, that you're talking about. Um, big Kerm, do you, do you think maybe the frustrations or, or maybe what you guys as players went through and not being able to go on and play in the tournament, did those things kind of set the stage for what happened with the team that went to play Loyola? I mean, do you think maybe their players looked at this and said, okay, we, we've seen how this worked out in the past uh, and, and, and we're going to do it this way. Do you think that played a part? I think it did. Yeah, it did. They, they really wanted to play like we did. And, and that, that, yeah, that was a, that was a big thing back then. It really was. Thought about it so much. Yeah. Well, tell me about recruiting Frank Dowsing and, and your role in helping him choose Mississippi State. Uh, what what did you tell him about Mississippi State, you think, that uh, that, that well, might have influenced him? Well, Frank Dowsing, you know, he was a football player, basketball player. He, they won the state championship after I left here with Frank playing basketball and was really, really – a good player. And I will forget, like Kermit said, uh, when he was being recruited at Mississippi State in football, and his dad, uh, I guess it, his dad taught at Hawker a few years, a little small school down there where that is. And so I, I got up and uh, Wesley Reed was was recruiting him. And so I came up here and, and started helping Wesley and got involved visited with his mother and daddy a lot. And he had a sister that I got in, was visiting with her. And he said, well, he looked like he might just go to Alabama. But that, my deal was, why you want to go to Alabama when you live in Mississippi? When you can go to Mississippi State, be the first black player, that, that ought to be it. And his mother and daddy really was the one that I think come and then and made that made that decision for Frank. And he went on and uh, of course, you know, he was he did great in school and and all, but yeah, that was that was that was a big, big, big thing. It really was. Well, Big Kerm, tell me please about your recruitment to Mississippi State, how you got involved there. I believe I've read a little bit on this. Uh, there was a coaching change. Uh, Babe McCarthy was coming on. But, uh, you know, what was that time like for you? That's exactly it. You know, that's back. And back then when I was in high school, the big tournament, not as big as the, the state championship or bigger, was a ball and invitational. And we played it. And we played a great team. Uh, one big one was was uh, oh uh, oh uh, there at, at Baldwin uh, Wheeler mm-hmm. with Jerry Keaton and that group, and we played there and and we were playing and uh, we played uh, I guess the first on Friday night, and uh, this guy walked up after the game and said, Kermit uh, said what. What are you doing? What? Where are you? Where are you going to school? And I said, Well, I don't know. I think I'm going over to to Ole Miss. 
He said, Ole Miss? I said, yeah. Well, he said, let me tell you, it's going to be a new coach down at, down at uh, Mississippi State. I said, well, who's that going to be? <clears throat> well, I, I it can't, we can't talk about that right now. So I went home, had a boy played with me, Charlie Chan, and he, he gave, I told him, I said, well, it'd be good like for him to go. So, well, he got a scholarship and went back home, went back over and played. The next day, coach walked up and said, uh, what about the scholarship? We got you, got your scholarship. Give us a little deal. I handed it to him. And he said, you hadn't signed it. And I said, no, I said, I want to find out who that coach is going to be. Well, come and go with me. So we went downstairs in the old dressing room there. He said, uh, Kermit, you're looking at the old coach. Dave's going to be the coach. And that's the deal that, that where it started. Then he asked me, did I know of any big boys? I said, well, the big boy talking about coming down there to visit Danny and visit Mississippi State. And I said, yeah, Bailey Allen, Middleton. Well, get him, just bring him down our way. Well, hell, he had never heard of Bailey Howell. You know, he, 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 he was working at, uh, down in the, in the gas business down in uh, the Delta. So he found out about what Bailey Howell was. Boy, he wanted me to. So we finally he started recruiting him, and he recruited Bailey and Holdell, and, and uh, Coach was a good, good one in the going to play for, and, and he, he got Mississippi State started. Well, tell me about Bailey Howell a little bit, please. I mean, I, I, I look back, I see his statistics, and, and you know, it's it's harder to research uh, from that era. What kind of player was he? Do you do you think that uh, that he is underappreciated in the modern era of basketball? I mean, so much of what we see now is, is visual, and we see great athletes and everything. Do you think do you think we forget a little bit about uh, Bailey Howell and players from that time? Well, you, you probably do. But the folks that got was back at that time and seeing Bailey play, they realized what a player he was. It was unreal. And Bailey could – he could just catch it and make it. I mean, he could. He, he could score. And he went on to play with the Celtics. And uh, – they just thought the world of him up there. It's like, uh, oh, what's the old guy, Kermit? Great player, his coach at uh, up at Boston. Oh, Havlicek? Oh, John Havlicek? No, the big, big black guy. Oh, Bill Russell. Yeah, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. I never will forget you know, talking to They come and play in Memphis now talking to and, and uh, we've had uh, eating after the game. And Bailey went to the restroom and I said, uh, boy, I tell you what, Coach, old Bailey's played well. And he said, well, one thing about it, uh, Kermit, you know he don't jump too high. But that ball don't ever get up there on that rim or somewhere around it. He's not right there jumping at it. Said he is really a good player, and he said he plays that way. And said he he just 
ego, ego to try to get every shot and get every rebound he can. And that's the kind of player Bailey was. And uh, no, he was he was he was a good one. And and still, people that don't 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 know how good Bailey was, some dang reason didn't look at it right because he was a good player. Well, I tell you what, you go back and look at 27 points and 17 rebounds for a career, and, and that's that's just phenomenal. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Little Kerm, um, what do you think were the characteristics that kind of defined your dad's Mississippi State teams? What, what were those teams like? You know, they were – a lot of times they were undersized, you know, Paris, so they had to, to be the hardest working group played really, really unselfish, played really hard, usually had a good collection of, of shooters, you know. And uh, But I, I can remember that. I remember those Kentucky and Alabama teams and Ray Mears' teams had those big seven-footers. And uh, Ole Miss had Fred Cox, you know, big 7-1 player. That's when Coolidge played against uh, uh, Dad's teams and a lot of those really good players. But uh, just remember undersized, tough, hard-nosed, you know, and a team that really tried to play the right way. Um, Big Kerm, if you've got a team that's undersized and you know that going in, uh, what were your methods then? How did you get them to perform? Well, it's just wide open. And, 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 uh, and you know, and we slowed the ball down a lot in those situations. And, and uh, then we, we pressed when we could. But uh, – you know, back then, uh, and, and played the zone a lot, but it's just it's, it's just like it is now, really. Number one, big, small, middle side of what? You better get out there and get after it. You know, and you played hard the entire time. And and you had the guy that could shoot it, shot it. If you didn't, you didn't shoot it. You know, it's just that that kind of deal. But they were they were some yeah, some good teams. Well, I'm going to tell you, I think the shot clock today, I, I, I'm sure it's done some good things, and I know fans like a faster game. I miss seeing a good four-corners offense because I think those I think those times stressed fundamentals, dribbling and passing and, and, and teamwork, and uh, you could see that on display uh, when teams would, would, uh, would spread it out like that. But uh, along those lines – I figure you guys as as young men, as players, and as coaches and whatnot uh, have probably combined for more than 100 years of, uh, of just observation of basketball. Uh, so from recruiting to facilities, coaching salaries, uh, all these things, what, what have been the most impactful changes in basketball that you guys have seen Big Kerm, let's start with you. You know that's that's hard. That's hard to, to think about. You, you you go to right now in basketball, it's kind of a wide open deal. You know, it's wide open offensively, defensively, the whole deal. And uh, the deal is, it's 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 a lot the same. Uh, but it's 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 the big thing. Is you got to have one of them you got to play, but but it's, I don't tell know. Tell Parrish, tell Parrish what's the most you ever made as a head coach at Mississippi State. 
I think a dollar and a half. <laughs> no, back, back then, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's 35,000 a year. About 35. You were, and you were been the ticket manager and, and, uh, oh, at one time there, yeah, I was ticket manager and, uh, whole deal uh, really while I'm head coach, assistant coach it's it changed a lot it's changed it changed a lot right now well you know? little Kerm I may get this wrong and you may know more about this than, than me right now but there was uh, you know back in the day at Ole Miss the basketball coach and I'm forgetting the name was also like freshman football coach and and, and, and that sort of thing you know oh, yeah uh, Oh, what? My goodness. I know who you're, exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh. I can't even think now. You. Oh, oh I feel good. awful about it. Well, that's that's okay. Good, I mean, we, friend, we, yeah. we can all look in the media guide when we get finished here and, and, and oh, get, yeah. get that name. But the point is, the basketball coach, as you guys are pointing out, uh, had hey, other responsibilities. Problem. Eddie Crawford and Ole Miss. Eddie Crawford. Okay. Eddie Crawford. Yeah. Okay. But there were there were other responsibilities. When do y'all think that college basketball kind of began to get out from under the shadow of college football? I mean, I understand where we all live and college football and the, the enormous interest that there is in college football. When do y'all think basketball started to uh, stand on its own? You know, I, I think this, Parrish, I can remember – you know, the era of the late 60s and through the 70s. And there was really two schools, maybe three, that had totally committed themselves to basketball in the SEC, Kentucky, Tennessee. Maybe Alabama was starting to a little bit, Vanderbilt, because it was kind of a, a basketball yeah, school. Yeah. yeah, they did. You know, how they drew. And, I mean, I remember playing at Mississippi State and going to Georgia when Dominic Wilkins was playing. And there's 2,500 people at the game, you know, going to Auburn and Chuck Person and them. And then Charles Barkett was there and nobody was coming to the games, you know. Then finally they did at the end, you know. So um, I, I just think it seemed like to me about the mid-80s, it started TV, ESPN really helped that a bunch. Parrish, you know, as far as there was one game of the week, Jefferson Pilot, Joe Dean did one, you know, he and John Ferguson. So I think ESPN helped it become a broader scale that we all got a chance. And I think AD's got a chance to see for some more facilities on TV than they ever have in basketball. And I think that kind of started putting the pressure. Another thing I think helped it was when, was when Nike shoe company got involved in basketball, they started paying coaches of schools to wear Nike. And then it got more competitive because then the, the TV and the shoe contracts started getting, you know, a little bit more. And then I think that was kind of the start of it. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. And Big yeah. term. Did, did you come up with that string music line and pass that on to Joe Dean? Was that, was that your idea? <laughs> I'll tell you what, that, that Joe Dean, if he, anybody had an idea, he had one, I'll tell you. Yeah, he was good. He, he was something. Well, as we talk about these changes in college basketball, I mean, uh, Big Kerm, and I'm, I'm asking you now, do you, do you look at these changes that you see now and, and, 
and think about what it might have been like to coach back you know, if you had this back when you were coaching, what it might have been like with a shot clock, what it might have been like with a three-point line. Do you like these changes? Well, I, I, I like them now. I do. I think that the changes really help the game and, and uh, it, it did. I, I, I love to coach, love basketball, and still would, would enjoy it, you know. But I enjoy, of course, seeing Kermit play and seeing all the good teams play now. I really do. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, uh, little Kerm, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing that media room again. You know, uh, last year being the COVID year and, you know, everybody just kind of uh, – uh, doing their best under different restrictions and everything. Uh, you know, glad uh, glad we could have uh, college football, college basketball, and everything. But I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, nice media room uh, with you guys again, and that ice machine. I, I love it uh, when you when you're driving home a point in your post game press conference there, and you're getting all worked up, and then that that ice starts uh, clinking there. <laughs> you know, that's that's good. That's exactly right. We're looking forward to it too, uh, Parrish. It's good to see the pavilion game ready and uh, just looking forward to having that place full and rocking again this year.